0: Welcome to Sports KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast, presented by First Federal Bank. It's Wednesday, July 6th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. It's been about three weeks since we learned Kansas City will be a host site for the 2026 World Cup games. Still seems a little surreal, doesn't it? We're by far the smallest U.S. market that will serve as a host. There are plenty of issues that need to be sorted out in the coming months and years. On today's show, we speak to a couple of star writers who've been covering the World Cup story. Columnist Sam McDowell spent some time recently with Sporting KC principal owner Cliff Illig. There was plenty of reaction to the news uh, of the World Cup announcement, but I thought Sporting Kansas City, which played such a huge role in creating the region's soccer culture that helped land the World Cup, kind of stayed in the background. We talked to Sam about that and about Sporting's role in obtaining the World Cup. After a break, I had a conversation with Pete Gradhoff about his experiences in covering the World Cup. Pete spent a month in Germany in the 2026 event, and I wanted to get his thoughts and impressions of what might be coming to Kansas City. Okay, let's get started talking soccer. First up, Sam McDowell. Sam McDowell's here. We're going to talk World Cup soccer. And you know, Sam, uh, the, we're what, a couple of weeks past the announcement of Kansas City getting the games, getting some games, and it occurred to me. And it was reinforced uh, when I read your story after your conversation with Cliff Illig from last week that, you know, when the announcement was made, we heard a lot from, you know, the, from Clark Hunt and we and a lot from, uh, you know, uh, city officials and World Cup officials. But the one entity that kind of wasn't as well represented as I thought it should have been was Sporting Kansas City. And, of course, they had so much to do with the successful bid here, but you took care of that with a, you know, a nice conversation with, with Cliff Illig. And I just wanted to ask you about the story that you put together and, um, and, and, you know, you covered sporting Kansas city. So you, you know, the organization about as well as anybody in the media, what um, I think it's, it's obvious to say that this doesn't happen without sporting, but, how much credit do we give sporting for the decision uh, of FIFA to bring the World Cup here?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the way you said it was was best is that it doesn't happen without them. And, you know, you could sort of view that in two different stages, that their work that they actually put into the bid. And I, I think there's a handful of people you could say, if this person's pulled out of this, I don't know if it gets done. Um, you know, that stretches beyond Sporting's organization, but also just, you know, I mean, this ownership group, you know, it was originally Cliff and Neil Patterson and Coran um, and Madej and Rob Heineman, but, you know, most, you know, obviously Cliff Hillick and Neil Patterson were the principal owners when they took over the team in 2006 and bought it from Lamar Hunt. If that purchase doesn't happen, I don't think we get the World Cup here because I don't think Sporting Kansas City is still here. You know, we were obviously in danger of losing that team from our city, um, but the investment that they've made, you know, trying to get a new stadium, which was Lamar's wish um, and, and specifically told that ownership group, you've got to build a soccer specific stadium if soccer is going to survive in this city. And it's not only survived, but under this group, it, it's thrived. And I think it's because they've always had a vision that things could be bigger and better. And um, oh, heck, I mean, a lot of our conversation was about that. I mean, it stretched beyond the World Cup for for how to make soccer in general just more popular in that city.
0: Yeah, um the you, you know the stadium when uh, when the when the team kind of underwent its its branding change, right? From from the Wizards to Sporting Kansas City, from Arrowhead Stadium to uh what what is now Children's Mercy Park, and with a little stop at Community America Ballpark in, in between. <laughs> um uh, but I, I read this in your story and i thought it was interesting that uh and, and this speaks to the um uh, sort of the attitude that, that that sporting kansas city officials especially cliff Illig, had when they built uh j- just the idea of building the new stadium and when they were looking at sites right for where they were going to put it Illig said that, that that's kind of secondary there there's you know there, there's a greater concern here for him and i and I, I really thought that was very informative about what he's he's about
1: yeah i thought so too um i mean obviously the the we knew that they had looked at uh, the banister site and i think they thought that was going to be it but um you know where they are now over at village west was their third choice basically And the first two sites they had been given these renderings by architects that you know different architects would come in they'd want to bid on it They, they showed hey here's what we can do with the stadium and once they picked village west that's when cliff said i don't want to look at any of those pretty pictures anymore i want to tell you we're gonna we need to figure out who's going to be in this building and that's what the the stadium is going to be built around it's going to be built around built around those people and so they wanted the supporter section that you see for the cauldron they wanted suites um you know it's there's not a lot of sixteen thousand. Eighteen thousand seat venues that I think that you see sort of that layered look and um, uh, you know the way I phrased it the story was kind of this towered look where you still have this 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 suite level that is that is you know almost like Arrowhead Stadium having a a suite level there and you'd think you'd eliminate that with that kind of uh, uh, sizing of a stadium but I just it, it was different and. It was the willingness to be different for a first-time sports owner that really stood out to me. I mean, a lot of people probably, Cliff Hillig has been very uh, public in the past, and he was in this conversation, that they didn't know anything about soccer when they bought the team. None of this ownership group did. And so I think a lot of people in that situation that, you know, I I think he felt it was a community good. I mean, and he said that too, that You can't afford to lose this soccer team. You know, the city just can't afford to lose major league sports teams. And so he's got that civic pride that I think also drove this World Cup bid. But, um, you know, specifically to sport in Kansas City, I, I just I think a lot of people in that situation would say, well, hey, I don't know much about this. Let's see what everybody else has done. And if they had that same thinking for the World Cup, I don't think Kansas City gets it because Kansas City could not do what everyone else was doing to get the World Cup.
0: Right. I mean, um, as, you know, as we know now, um, Kansas City is in the low 30s when it comes to market size and all the other U.S. cities that that uh, had successful bids are in the top, what, 12 to 15 or so.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: So, you know, and, and as, as you were... Uh, speaking there, I I was reminded too of something that that Cliff said that he told you and and it uh, you know as it uh, his his sentiment about you know not only making sporting Kansas City a um, you, you know just something that's unique, different, and 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 forward thinking he applied that to the world cup bid as well he said some you know not just getting the world cup but presenting it in a way that's going to be better than anybody else even with the small market size and and we kept hearing that um from uh you know you know from from people who were involved with the with the bid process that and and Jake Reed told you the the sporting ceo that you know Kansas City just wanted it more that's what fifa officials kept telling him that the Kansas City wanted it more and but I'm wondering what when, when Cliff Cliffilling says or or implies that you know presenting the World Cup that Kansas City has a desire just to be better than everybody else, uh, what does he mean by that? What what can the World Cup look like in Kansas City that would make it different than other places?
1: Yeah, I mean that was obviously the, the questions I I kind of peppered them with throughout. Um, some of that they're keeping under wraps because they don't want. I mean, the first step of this is going to be they're going to have to hear from FIFA. How much control do they have of it? You know, if this is FIFA's tournament. And therefore, you know, do they have sort of a cookie cutter idea for every city that they said, hey, hey, here's your baseline and you can add on this stuff. But we really want you to use this. Um, or are they going to give these cities the freedom? I think FIFA certainly, you know, they're not done. They recognize the significance of the, the sports commercial market that is the United States. And so I think they're going to give their cities maybe some more freedom than they would in, like, let's say, Qatar this this fall. Um, in which case, Kansas City has the opportunity to sort of showcase itself in a way that certainly people in the world, but I also think people in this country don't really understand what what Kansas City necessarily is all about. So, um, you know, a few of the things he mentioned were like, you know, I mean, we have the watch parties already when the World Cup is in Brazil. Right. Uh, so he said, "Think of that on steroids. Uh, there'll be fan fest events throughout the city. I mean, FIFA is really big on the fan fest, and I, I think Blair, when you and Vahe took a look at the the bid itself before this even came out, that that was obviously going to be part, a, a component of it because um, FIFA really one of the reasons you choose the United States is not because soccer is the most popular sport in the United States, because you want to grow the game in the United States." And so it is just getting fans involved. But um, they're also going to have to look at, you know, bars and restaurants and, and things like that in ways that they can be promoting the game. But the number one thing is they want people watching the games. And I think I got the impression it was a little bit the inverse that they wanted this just this big party and everybody to feel the energy and. Cliff is very adamant that they got to find a way to get people to actually watch the game itself, because while MLS they feel like is is a growing product and an increasingly good product, it's nothing compared to the World Cup because nothing is. I mean, you've got the very best players in the world playing in the World Cup, and the best way to try and get more fans into it is to show them the very best athletes in the world that are playing it. So... I think a lot of it's going to be trying to convince the bars and restaurants around the city to be showcasing it. You know, I think a lot of it is going to be pitching it and selling it to them and to other people in Kansas city.
0: You mentioned the the fan fest when when it came down to choosing the U S cities for, uh, for sites, you know, all, basically all the stadiums were the same, right? They're all in all, but Orlando of the, of the 16 U S cities were NFL stadiums. So, um, so, so they're all
1: i't thought of that that's, that's true
0: so they all have the kind of the same issues right with size and might have to do some retrofitting and, and all that yeah I, I think what uh you, you know that something that really made a difference in with fifa as as i look back on it now were the 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 renderings of what a fan fest would look like in kansas city and how you know they could put you know uh, more than a hundred thousand people at a site right if it's whether it's the the lawn of the nelson Atkins or that area between Union Station and the in the world War one memorial or and, and even on the other side of the world War one memorial the big lawn there so um that you yeah, know that I, I think that made a big impression on the on the FIFA I, I,
1: I think and like I said you and Vahe already knew that component because you guys had, had covered this significantly before it was awarded in my conversation with Cliff, that was a bigger deal, I think, than I realized just how organized they were with those sorts of events. I mean, we obviously talked about, um, you know, you mentioned it, Jake Reed saying how much Kansas City wanted. There's some significant organization that includes the financial organization that I think, you know, some other cities, Chicago backed out of it because of the finances. So they had that stuff in order, but I guess I, I, if, you know, if you're sort of ranking the reasons why Kansas City got it, because it wasn't just one, it's it's the sort of this pot of reasons um, that would have moved higher up on the list than I anticipated after chatting with, with Cliff.
0: I love this little detail from your story, too, um, that uh, just a small thing, but must have made an impression. And it was when FIFA was here last October. Kansas City made sure to leave no stone unturned when it came to impressing them, including having kids playing soccer outside of the hotel where FIFA officials were staying. I thought that that, that's brilliant, actually.
1: Yeah, and that's, you know, what what's always struck me about conversations with Cliff Illig is the how, you know, he thinks big, but man, he nails the details. And uh, I asked him about that and he said that he often kind of views his job as combing through somebody else's work. And saying well here's what we missed and you know obviously Catherine holland was the bid director kathy nelson poured a ton of work into this and then other people from sporting i mean jake reed but often you had some a lot of other people from sporting's organization that that played a factor in this as well but he said that he went through it and was like man we thought of everything and then when they got to the hotel with the fifa officials he's he's in the hotel with the fifa officials and he saw the kids for the first time and then he's like Man, we really thought of everything <laughs> here. <laughs>
0: well, the um, the awarding of the World Cup to Kansas City, we're still kind of in the afterglow of that. There's so many details to be worked out, and we're hoping to hear from sporting chiefs, city officials here pretty soon about that. We know they had a meeting in New York recently to discuss some of those details. And I, I think in the next couple of weeks, we, we will hear from from those officials. But while we're still kind of celebrating it, I, listen, I, I probably feel as good for sporting as anybody when it comes to having the world cup awarded to Kansas city, they've been, you know, they have just been a, a winning franchise, a successful franchise. They've they've done it right. As long as they've been here and, um, and, and, and they're going to revel in having the world cup here. In fact, not only are they going to revel in it, they're going to be, with their facility, their training facility, they're going to be a big part of it. Um, they're they're going to be the reason if there's a big economic impact uh, and there will be for Kansas city, that it's because sporting built its facilities, including the training center and nations will take advantage of that, which means we'll have their fans in town for, you know, for weeks on end spending money here. So I, I just, I really do feel good for Kansas for, for sporting Kansas city. Um, during uh, during this process.
1: Yeah, I agree. And that was something, Blair, that, that you mentioned that I left out that I shouldn't have was their training facility is, is a gigantic draw on investment that, um, I don't know, maybe they still get games if they don't have that training facility, but I kind of doubt that too. I mean, that was another good example, by the way, of something that hadn't been done yet in MLS, that you know they poured significant resources, right. and obviously the, the cities and, and state did as well. Um, but. That's something we didn't get too deep into as far as the impact on sporting. But, you know, it's not just Kansas City that needs to take advantage of this of this opportunity. Sporting does, too. I mean, they, this is an opportunity to, to grow their fan base as well, because where sporting is right now is they're, they're I feel like those facilities, partic- particularly their stadium, has been their biggest selling point for a little while now. You can only fit so many people into that, though. Right, and you've got to get people watching your games and caring about them on a weekly basis, even if they aren't one of the eighteen thousand people in the stadium. And I do think the World Cup is an opportunity to do that.
0: Well, certainly the first time the World Cup was in the United States in in, in nineteen ninety four, that uh, one of the reasons the U.S. got the World Cup then was because it promised FIFA that it would start a you know a pro league, and that was the yeah. MLS, and that you know was kicked off two years later with Kansas City, one of the ten original franchises with that. So. OK, hey, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, you will hear from Pete Gradhoff, who uh, star sports writer, who has covered a World Cup for us. He was at the World Cup in 2006 in Germany and attended games of that or at least one game in that 90, 1994 World Cup. He was in Chicago uh, covering that. So we, we, we try to find players. And I know, Sam, you did and I did too. talk to players and coaches who had World Cup experience We didn't talk to Pete because Pete had World Cup coverage experience. I talked to him about that, and we'll talk to Pete after a break. Go to kansascity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. Pete, we don't get you on SportsBeat KC enough. It's great to see you. Great to have you here. We're sitting in the Joe Burke suite at Kaufman Stadium. Pretty good setup.
2: It's nice. It's good to see you, Blair. And always glad to be on the. World famous podcast. <laughs> so we
0: come, we came to Kauffman Stadium to talk soccer uh, because <laughs> uh, that's what we're that's what we're going to do. Uh, and the reason I wanted to talk to you was, uh, I don't know if you've heard, but the World Cup is coming to Kansas City in 2026. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure that that's true. That's going to happen. And of course, the reason we want to talk to you is you are, as far as I know, the only person on the sports staff of the Kansas City Star who has attended a World Cup. And not only one World Cup, you've actually been to games at two World Cups. Um, But in 2006, you spent the entire month of the World Cup in Germany. And you wrote about it uh, at the time, but you recently wrote about it before Kansas City was awarded the World Cup games. You wrote about, or maybe it was right after Kansas City was awarded the games there. And, uh, and you wrote about what Kansas City can expect, and I really enjoyed that story because I think you, you mentioned probably 15 nations in that story. And, um, and, and So let's just generally talk about what you saw, just aside from the games, what you saw, what you felt,
2: what you experienced in Germany. Can you sum it up in about 10,000 words? <laughs> I think it's good we stay away from the games because I not, a lot of people in Kansas City won't be going to the games, but they are going to come across people from other nations here. I mean, people come in, this will be a destination spot, the United States, for that World Cup, for people There are fans, I mean, and they don't have to be the diehards either. I, I. One of my favorite memories from that World Cup was after a game that Brazil had played, I was on a train, with uh, sat across from this couple from Brazil, and this was their like second honeymoon. They had little kids at home. The grandma was watching and they just were very quiet. We just had a really pleasant conversation. But I mean, you just bumped into them all over, whether it was Aussies at a bar in, in one city or, you know, like someone from Ireland on a train. It was, it's just and they're going to be around Kansas City. FIFA will have its uh, designated hotels that are way overpriced. Mm -hmm. But, you know, fans are going to come here and Airbnb and all that stuff, uh, other hotels around town and and get their way to the games. And I I think that's the thing that hopefully people will understand is you're going to have an opportunity to experience kind of another culture at the same time you're here.
0: Lots of cultures. Um, You hope, right? I mean – you know, in, there there will be a difference between having the World Cup in three countries, two of which are in terms of land area, large two of the three or four largest countries on Earth, plus Mexico, uh, Canada, U.S. and Mexico, and they're going to be as spread out as you know, Vancouver to Miami to the cities in Mexico to Boston, so. The, the the games, even though there were more of them, right? Um, Eighty games total, forty eight nations participating, record highs in both. Um, uh, th- it's just going to be more spread out than if it was in a smaller country like Germany. Still, I hope you're right. I hope that um, the, that what, when we find out that Kansas, C- what what Kansas City's lineup of games are, that we'll get a cross section of countries here and. Um, and Kansas City will show those countries what we 're about, and they 'll bring their you know, their flavors to you know, to Kansas City so when when you were in Germany in '6 were, were you going to different sites um, you know, take, getting on the train and going from you know Munich to Berlin wherever wherever games were being played? how did that work for you?
2: I did get on a train uh, I was on the train a lot, yes. Um. In the beginning, the U.S. games, mostly, and then it was the knockout games. And that took you all over. Um, but in those cities, there were rallies. Fans of certain nations had rallies. FIFA will set up these uh, fan fests, and that's where you're going to see a lot of fans, too. And those are the ones, I think, that are, I mean, you don't want to make it sound like you've got to have a ton of money to get into a game, but the fan fest, you're really going to be able to rub elbows with uh, people who really love the sport. Kind of like if you go to a sporting event and it's always the upper deck of the sold-out stadiums. Those are the people that are mostly wearing the replica jerseys. Uh, That—that's. I think that's how it's going to be here. And, you know, I would imagine the streetcar is going to be a different experience. It's going to be so much fun.
0: <laughs> imagine. The free streetcar in Kansas City exactly. loaded with the... And by then extended down uh, not only the two-mile stretch that it has now, but uh, uh, further into uh, what Westport in the plaza area, mm-hmm. and uh, it'd be very cool, even beyond that, who knows. But um, So when you went to different towns, and you went to the—all right, let me ask you this. When you went to the games, uh, was it like going to um, a college football or an NFL game where you see people wearing the colors of their country and you know all sitting together. What, what, what
2: was that experience like? Generally, they were together in their um, like a whole bunch of Swiss fans. You know, you'd think the Swiss kind of reserved and all that. <laughs> Holy cow. They were so loud. I couldn't believe it. Yes. I uh, hear a lot of that Ole chants. They'll all be together usually in one section. they will be like a fan section. And then you'll see them scattered about as well. And outside the stadium, well... So a lot of singing and dancing and music and uh, fans of different nations kind of coming together and having a good time. It's, it's a strange deal because so few teams have won the World Cup and you're going to have like 40 teams likely coming in that won't have much of a chance. And a lot of those fans of those teams are like, hey, this is, let's go experience Kansas City barbecue. You know, They'll be looking that up to see what we're about fountains, the barbecue, all the good stuff we have here. And, and I think you're going to see them outside the stadium, too, even when they're not going into the game.
0: Right. That's what I've understood. That um, uh, in I, I read somewhere that in the 2018 World Cup in Russia, I can't remember if it was Brazil or Argentina, the, but after after their country sold out their allotment of tickets, an additional 30,000 fans from their country went... To Russia to to be there when their team played, um, and were in the city when their team played, not in the stadium, but in the bars and outside and at the fan fests, and um, that that idea kind of blew me away. And that that doesn't happen in American sports. I don't know how many additional Kansas Cityans were in Miami for the Super Bowl, um, you know, when the, when the Chiefs won, not going to the game. Maybe some, but I doubt it was you know in the tens of thousands.
2: No, I agree I, There were some that were there I, we, we ran into some who said they were just there for the Super Bowl experience But you're right this, And again, this is the United States It's going to be a great place People have never been to the United States Hey, let's make that trip in 2026 When our, when our uh, home country is playing there And they'll, they'll come out, absolutely and Those Brazil fans in particular will, will be here I'm going to go out on a limb and say they make the tournament they might,
0: yeah. They, they, if they can somehow get through qualifying, exactly.
2: And their fans are the absolute most fun you're going to be around. They, boy, I just they can make music out of just I don't know. It was little shakers and drums and and people just dancing. And, you know, wearing their flags as skirts and capes. And I'm, I'm fans of other nations coming in, and I don't know. It was just it's just a big party.
0: I love the anecdote that you used in your story about um, uh, you saw a group of Arge- fans from Argentina and another group of fans from the Ivory Coast kind of walking toward each other, and you you thought and they were playing right. They were going to play in the stadium that day, and you thought maybe a rumble would ensue. That was not the
2: case. No, it was great. I did think it was going to be a rumble. Your soccer hooliganism thing you people may have in their mind was not the case at all they kind of came together and greeted one another and the music kind of picked up again and ivory coast is this orange and green and argentina is powder blue and white so it's just cool little rainbow of colors there as they were all kind of dancing and singing and then they went on their ways i mean on their own way wherever they were going so uh, they just are, are there to have a fun time and uh, spread some joy. That's, that's the way I looked at it.
0: What made you pick up and go to Germany in, in 2006?
2: Well, I've always loved soccer. My parents were born in Germany and emigrated to the States in the 60s. They still have family there. It made a lot of sense. In fact, the Team USA was based in, in uh, Hamburg, Hamburg, and uh, that's where my uncle and aunt lived. Oh. So it was a pretty easy... Um, Decision to go I'd always wanted to go because I'd only been once before to uh, a game even a World Cup game in 94 so Yeah, I mean the star let me uh, Let me do that. That was great.
0: Yeah, you said you went to a World Cup game in 94 Uh, of course it was um, in the US and Chicago was one of the cities that uh, That was hosting games. That's where you went right Chicago. That's Soldier Field.
2: Yep, Soldier Field. Who'd you see? Uh, it was the first knockout round game between Germany and Belgium. And
0: uh, well, I don't know about then, but now that's a heck of a yeah, matchup.
2: And it, it, Germany was more of a more of the defending champions, and Belgium hadn't really kind of come up like that. But it was a three to two game. It was great. And uh, later, I was there with my father, and then we we. Taste of Chicago was going on at the same time. Oh in wow! Taste of wow. Chicago. Right. Then we ended up in a bookstore. For so I think we were waiting for my brother to get off work, and I was wearing a Germany shirt or a jacket or something, given my parents' uh, you know heritage. And some Belgian fan just came up to me. Was, we played very well. We have nothing to be ashamed of today. And I'm like. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. You know, <laughs> like, it, it was just something totally. It was one, that was a World Cup experience? I, I haven't forgotten all these years later because it just was so out of the blue. Okay, you've lived in Kansas City now for what? How many years? Twenty five years. Twenty five years. So you know this town,
0: and you've been to the World Cup, so you've hit twice. So you've had that experience.
2: Um, is this going to be? Is the World Cup going to be a good fit here? It's going to be a great fit here. I. I was just talking with someone, um, was our intern Nathan, who said he didn't realize Kansas City was such a big soccer town.
0: Well, there you go. There, that Nathan, who's a sharp guy and yeah. really has worked great, has had a great experience with us. Maybe it's typical of people who don't understand Kansas City and what it's been about um, uh, building its soccer credentials over the last few decades.
2: Absolutely, uh, really. I mean. It, so many different parts of what's happened here with sporting Kansas City building its like one of a kind stadium that's now kind of in a blueprint for other country or other uh teams to the Casey current becoming the first one in the world to build a, a specific women's soccer facility training center.
0: With a stadium on <laughs> the way with a stadium
2: on the way. Um I I absolutely believe it. And I was talking to Jimmy Conrad who used to play for the then called Wizards, um, for a story that I'm going to write here at some point, and was telling him, you know, in, back in the day, you could never have gone around town and seen anybody wearing a Wizards hat, shirt, or anything like that. I, I stopped myself one day and was like, I see, you see it a lot. I mean, it's ingrained in our culture here now. Without a doubt. Um, soccer's big here, and I think fans are going to see that from other countries.
0: Yeah, sporting sporting stuff is all over the place, all over the metro, both sides of the state line and um, and throughout. It is a uh, – the brand has become ingrained in the Kansas City sports scene, which is really cool to see. And I talked to Peter Vermees about this recently, and, and, and I, I mentioned to him you know, that's – the, the, all that's part of Kansas City getting the World Cup, but also um, you know, it, was, it was one thing to, to change the, you know, the the brand from the Wizards to the Sporting Kansas City, to move into Children's Mercy Park and um, have the color, the kit that everybody kind of liked, but you had to win. You, know, you, mm-hmm. you couldn't do it and be mediocre over the years, and Sporting has done enough winning uh, with an MLS Cup and U.S. Open Cups. Of course, they're still alive in this year's U.S. Open Cup. Um, that's been part of it too. So they they've been, been able to maintain interest within in soccer here in Kansas City by having a successful franchise. Didn't hurt either to have you know a homegrown hero like Matt Beasler on the team, and to have Beasler and Graham Zusi play in the World Cup in 2014. So all of that I think is built into Kansas City into the uh, a, a city that's number what is it, 31, 32, 33 in terms of market size and by far the smallest city to get a world cup uh
2: right,
0: get right. world cup games
2: right and denver was mad a um, lot <laughs> yes. people in denver a lot of people in denver were, including the colorado rapids coach who couldn't believe kansas city got it over denver
0: so. again more people that just don't get that kansas city no. has invested in soccer and uh I, it actually goes back to the you know lamar hunt the you know the founder of the afl the C- ceo of the chiefs and um and know, on the ground floor of North American Soccer League and MLS and was the original owner of the Kansas City Wiz, which became the Wizards. And then when he sold it, they became Sporting Kansas City. So a lot of soccer heritage in, in Kansas City. So all right, Pete, great catching up with you. Great talking soccer. I bet it's not the last time we do it. I think we're <laughs> going to talk soccer quite often uh, as the World Cup approaches. Appreciate it. Glad, glad to be on. Thanks, man. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. A shout-out to our sponsor, First Federal Bank. Their website is ffbkc.com. Tip of the cap to Sam McDowell and Pete Grathoff for sharing your thoughts. Morning Sports Edition, you know I love it. Find out why. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com to check it out. Hey thanks for listening and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC